So hello everybody and welcome to this edition of Human Wisdom Live. Um, welcome to our guests from around the world. Uh, Tim Merrick, who was supposed to do this session with me, has uh, pulled off at the last, pulled out at the last minute. He was unwell. So I'm going to be speaking for about 15 or 20 minutes and then open the floor for a conversation and a dialogue, really, between all the people present who are here from around the world. So why bother? You know, the art of inquiry. What do we mean by art of self-inquiry? So just as an astronomer has a telescope through which he can see the heavens, we need something similar to look inside our own thinking, our own mind, to understand what's going on inside us. And just as the astronomer looks at the heavens, sees whatever he finds and shares it with everyone, so the collective knowledge deepens. Similarly, we humans can also use the art of self-inquiry. This is what we're going to explore. How can we begin to look at and learn about ourselves? Uh, so I've got a small presentation to um, um, give you, and then we'll, um, we'll open the floor to questions. Let's begin with Newton. You know, Isaac Newton was sitting in his mother's garden in 1666. He saw an apple fall from a tree and he just asked why. A simple question. Why does an apple fall from a tree and fall to the ground? And in asking that question, he discovered gravity and became one of the greatest physicists in the world. Similarly, we can observe our own thinking, ask why, and come across discoveries or make discoveries, which can not only benefit us, but also all of humanity. So let me um, share my screen and explain what we are talking about. So here's a picture of the Art of inquiry. This is a telescope, man looking at the heavens. And what we're doing is looking inside us. You know, NASA spends $20 billion a year on looking at outer space. I don't think anybody in the world spends a fraction of that trying to understand what's going on in our inner spaces, which is far more important because that understanding shapes our lives. So before we begin, we just need three things. We need a sense of curiosity. We need a mind that's open to learning. And of course, you need commitment. If you're going to learn any skill, you need commitment, whether it's you're learning how to swim or you're learning a musical instrument. But the key in all this is curiosity. Why do I think this way? Why do I feel this way? What's behind this feeling of fear? or this feeling of anger? And what's going on inside me to make me feel this way? So that's a really simple thing. We need a sense of curiosity. And um, uh, by the way, as we travel, please add your questions and comments in the chat. And um, I'd be more than happy to address them as we travel. So for example, let's begin with a simple example. How do we listen? 
you know, when we look at, observe what's happening in our own thinking when we're listening, we realize, for example, that we scream for things that we agree with. And we ignore or reject things that feel new or that we disagree with. And the question for us is, can we listen deeply, neither accepting or rejecting, but just being curious and exploring things instead? So the same thing applies to this conversation. If I'm saying something you already agree with, you listen deeply. And notice this in yourself, that if I'm saying something that you disagree with, you'll notice an automatic resistance. And that's what I mean by just noticing, looking and learning about what's happening in our own thinking. And when you notice this in yourself, by the way, you'll realize it's the same in all human beings because our minds work in similar ways. So how do we begin? How do we begin to look at and learn about ourselves? You know, we have 70,000 thoughts a day. And many of them pull us in different directions. They're behind all our feelings and they dictate our behavior. Not only today, but they dictate the future of our lives. How do we make sense of them? Where do these thoughts come from? Is it an engine that keeps going? automatically. So just like watching these birds fly across the sky, we can observe our own thinking, our reactions and feelings, and then ask a simple question. What's going on behind that? What makes us think and feel this way? And there are only three steps to this inquiry. Step one is to observe. Say I'm angry. Step two is to take ownership of that feeling. Ownership means, it's a very tricky one. Ownership means that this anger is arising from me. So I'm going to be curious. And step three is to ask a question. What's making me think and feel this way? So for example, I may learn that I'm disappointed with the way somebody's behaved or some expectation of mine has not been met. Or um, somebody has criticized me and I feel hurt and my ego is bruised or I'm afraid, whatever it might be. So the root cause of anger we're learning isn't from outside, though that's the trigger, but it's the reaction from our inside that's making me angry. How somebody's behaving, what they've called me, not called me, and so on. So the step, second step is the most difficult. The first step, observing, yes, we can observe. We need a mind that's quiet and able to observe things. And that's why a breathing practice or meditation is useful. But taking ownership is hard because my mind assumes my stress comes from the outside, from my relationship or my job or my health or my anger comes from the outside. Whatever I'm feeling comes from outside. The hardest thing is to put the blame to one side and just accept to be curious. What's going on in me to make me feel this way? So three steps to inquiry. And it's not an intellectual process. When we talk of inquiry, we think, oh, we need a degree, we don't. Just like you don't need a degree to learn to swim or to pick up the guitar and start playing it. 
you just need a sense of commitment and you want to learn about yourself. You want to learn about what's happening in the world. Similarly, you want to learn about what's happening in yourself. And this is the other really important thing. When we look at ourselves, we automatically either justify ourselves as being right, so my anger is really justified, or we are uh, critical of ourselves for thinking that way. Why? I shouldn't be angry. I shouldn't be jealous. I'm a terrible person for feeling this way, for feeling uh, whatever it is that you're feeling. So it's in between those two extremes that our mind operates. And to take this inquiry further, to learn about ourselves, we need to pause this judgment. So we are neither right or wrong. And what we're thinking or what we're noticing is not good or bad. And again, this is a challenge for most of us because our mind is programmed to thinking, A, that everything we feel comes from the outside, and B, it's either right, we're right or wrong or whatever it is. So in seeing something clearly, a transformation starts to occur. And that's why this art of inquiry is the absolute foundation for inner transformation or um, inner wisdom. So it's like a nonverbal aha moment, okay? It's, it's like, um, you know, um, when, for example, I'll give you my own personal example, actually. When I was a young man and I was talking to somebody about Hinduism and they were being critical of Hinduism about some aspect of it, okay? Um, so, I immediately started getting really upset and defensive. And I said, why am I feeling that way? I was just curious, why do I, someone said something, why am I feeling so defensive? And I realized then it's my attachment. And I said, why am I attached to this idea of being Indian or being Hindu? And then I realized that was my conditioning. It had happened unconsciously without even my awareness. So as I went on this journey of learning about myself, and that's really what self-inquiry is, as I went on this journey of learning about myself, something shifted. And I realized deep down, I'm the same human being as everybody else. And that's when I lost my attachment to my own identity. So that's just a personal story of how seeing something clearly brings transformation. By the way, I'd just like to welcome Dave. Dave, welcome, you just joined us. We're just in the middle of a presentation. We're talking about insight. And um, so Tarun asked a question, how do we listen without being judgmental? And I think Tarun, the key is to notice that we are being judgmental, you see. It's in the noticing of what's happening in our own thinking, that transformation occurs. Okay, I'll give you a second example. So I'm talking to some students in a, in a, in a school and I'm saying, how does social media make you feel? And these kids said, well, 
it makes me feel like there's a pressure to conform with, to others. It makes me hate my body because others are more beautiful. It makes me feel less than others. My self-esteem is low. I get depressed or I get angry with people who've got more than me. And so it went on and on and on. And I said, hang on a second. How can a little device like a phone, right? Make you feel all these things without your permission. And then they were stuck. They didn't know what to think. I said, what's going on in your thinking to make you feel this way? And then finally, I got it. I tease it out of them that their mind is comparing all this, but they're not aware of it. So it's not social media that's the problem. It's the way the mind compares all the time, but we're not aware of it. So then I asked them a question. I said, how would your life change if you were in charge of your own thinking and you only compared yourself to others when it suited you? And this girl who's only 13 told me I would be free. So there's a great uh, power in being able to see clearly. And as you said, Tarun, just being able to observe from moment to moment how our mind is judging all the time and realizing that's not intelligent, that brings its own transformation. Now, this understanding, this is also really important. See, I can tell you how to make a dish or change a flat tire. You can go on YouTube and get the instructions for almost everything now. But what I can't tell you is what a glass of water tastes like. You have to find that out for yourself. Similarly, each of us has to discover this deeper understanding for ourselves. I can tell you the mind is judgmental, as Tarun said, or the mind compares. And you can say, yeah, I agree with you. I'm going to try not to. It doesn't work. Unless you go on a journey of learning about yourself and observing how your own mind works and taking this journey of self-inquiry, only then can you discover the benefits of drinking that water and how it can nourish your life. See, we humans are content to read the books and we're content to repeat the books and become experts on books, but the books will not tell you what water tastes like. So that's why learning the art of self-inquiry is absolutely crucial. So the other advantage of this, of course, is that you don't need to follow or believe anybody. In this inquiry, nobody's an expert because you're only learning about yourself. Nobody else can be an expert on you. You are the expert on what's happening in your own mind. So we do not need to believe anybody else. You don't need to follow anybody else. You can find out for yourself if it's true just by looking inside. And as you know, in school, remember when you did all those science experiments and you actually learned something by doing that experiment and that stuck with you in your, for, forever? Similarly, a discovered truth has so much more impact than, say, someone tells you something. I can tell you your mind compares, and that's what's making you feel envious and less than others. 
it's going to make no difference unless you observe that in yourself. So the other thing our mind does um, quite commonly is it doesn't focus on the facts. It just has an opinion about the facts. Say, I notice I'm angry. I won't stop there. I won't notice I'm angry and be curious as to why. My mind will say, I'm justified. I'm right and you're wrong. Or I'll be critical of myself, it's a bad thing. Or I'll say it's somebody's fault or whatever it is. Or I'll say, I need, but focusing on the fact. One second, I'm just going to mute. I, I was going to bet on this. Naveen, can you mute I wish my dream level One second. Naveen, can you mute yourself? Ah, thank you. And welcome to this. Uh, I'm just giving a presentation on the art of inquiry, and then we're going to open it up for conversation and discussion. So if we can focus on the fact, that allows us to explore it further. And in exploring the fact, that's what brings illumination. Say I'm feeling really anxious. I can say it's a good thing, bad thing. But if I focus on the anxiety, the feeling of it, and be curious, what's going on in me to make me feel this way? It's not related to the exam or the interview or my worry about my health. It's the way my mind is reacting to all that. Why is my mind reacting in that way? And that's when you start uncovering the nature of fear. And it's in this process of learning about ourselves that transformation occurs. So going back, I just want to take you back to this thing about insight. So there's three stages of insight. So let's talk about listening. It's a simple thing, right? So during the process of listening, I start realizing that if someone is saying something I agree with, I listen to them. If they're saying something I disagree with, I'm critical. So stage one of insight is I realize this after the event. Or I'm interrupting people. Right? Stage two is during the event, while you're talking to me, I notice that I'm being judgmental. Or I notice the urge to interrupt. It's in noticing it that I don't interrupt. I listen better. And stage three is the pattern that gets broken. When you're talking to me, my mind stops being judgmental. It stops trying to interrupt the pattern or interrupt you or whatever. So it's in this journey of learning that our insight deepens and our transformation occurs. So this is such an important thing to take away today. Change comes from understanding the fact, not from pursuing the ideal. What do I mean by that? So take the fact that I'm jealous. Okay, that's a good example. And that's, I have an ideal that I shouldn't be jealous. Say my religion tells me I shouldn't be jealous. Or I've read my, you know, whatever it is, I sh I'm trying not to be jealous. So I try to go from being jealous to not being jealous. And it doesn't work. Or I try to go from being stressed to not being stressed, it doesn't work. I let go of the ideal, which is not to be stressed. And I try to understand why my mind is stressed in the first place. And it's in that 
journey of learning and exploring that I realize my stress disappears because I learn that my jealousy comes from my mind comparing all the time. When I wake up to that, then I realize I can be in charge of when it's comparing and I'm free. Or I realize stress is just a difference between how things are in the world and how my mind wants them to be. And if I can accept things as they are, my stress disappears. Accepting things as they are doesn't mean I'm not going to change them. But accepting things as they are means my stress disappears. And then I'm much more capable of doing what I need to do in the world. Um, okay, so Tarun's just asked a question, which is, how do we read nonverbal cues at a deep level? I think, Tarun, it's all about sensitivity. And sensitivity comes from nurturing a quiet mind. And I'm going to talk to you about that. Maybe it's a subject of a different talk, but there are lots of resources in the Human Wisdom app, which I'll explain in a second, that help us read the nonverbal cues at a deep level. And I think the more you understand yourself, the more easy it is to understand others. So then you can get a sense of what the other person is not saying or not able to say or the feeling behind the words they're using, and so on. So this, the more, the more deeply we understand ourselves, the easier it becomes to understand others. We need to be kind and compassionate to ourselves in the sense realize we're just human. Our mind is wired in this way. It's not our fault that we feel jealous or angry or we hate people or whatever it is. But it's in learning why we do that, that there's long-term freedom. Okay, here's a great example from quantum physics, but equally applies to the human mind, which is the thing being observed changes as a result of the observation. Okay, there was this beautiful uh, study done in quantum physics where they had this um, particle of light going through um, a slit and it created one pattern. But if you observed the way it was happening, it created a different pattern. Similarly, observe this in your own thinking. Obser when you observe what's actually going on in your own mind, the thing you're observing starts changing. That's the beauty of it. And it's so simple. It's like watching a bird fly across the sky. And in fact, it's so simple, it's difficult to understand how it can be so simple, but the impact can be so profound. Just noticing that you're not listening very well makes you a better listener. Noticing your anger comes from you is not caused by the other person makes you much less angry. Noticing how little you love others or your love for others is based entirely on what they do for you makes you a much more loving person and so on. But the secret to all this is to realize what you're observing isn't you personally. What you're observing is what it is to be human. 
So it's not Manoj that I'm observing, I'm observing the human mind and how it works. So this inquiry can be uncomfortable because it challenges sometimes our existing ideas. Suppose I've assumed for 30 years that my stress has been caused by work or my stress has been caused by my wife who's behaving in a particular way. And I have to re-examine that and realize, no, my stress comes from the way my mind is reacting to that situation. Because the next person who's standing next to me is not reacting in the same way to that situation, you see. The second thing is something that's unfamiliar creates a, resist a resistance in ourselves. Um, and we can react to a perception that we're being criticized or being asked to change. I'm not... We're not at all suggesting you should change. We're saying, we're, we're giving you the possibility or opening the door to the possibility of a deep transformation through this process of self-inquiry, which is not taught anywhere. And as Jenny said beautifully, when you change the way you see things, the things you see change. But you see, Jenny, it's not you who are seeing things differently. Do you know what I mean? It's not like Jenny is doing the seeing. It's just, you're just observing that. And once that observation occurs, that's when the change occurs. So as the simplest thing for me is, like when my sister calls sometimes and she's going on and on on the phone, you know, she loves to chat. And I realize I'm drifting off, I'm not listening to her. The moment I realize that, I come back to the conversation and I'm a much better listener. So it's just about noticing, that's the secret. Okay. So this is so hard because our mind is wired to judge all the time as Tarun said. How can we look at ourselves without judging ourselves or look at others without judging them? You know, just like we look at the moon, we never look at the moon and say it's good or bad, right or wrong, right? You'd never look at a tree and say that tree is wrong, or that tree is right, or that's a good tree and that's a bad tree. We'll never say that, right? Because it's a fact. We're just observing a fact, right? So similarly, when can we look at ourselves in the same way and just to learn? See, the beauty of this work we're doing is that all of us on this call can look at the moon together and share what we learn. We'll never look at the moon and say it's a good moon or a bad moon. Then you can't look. Then we'll argue with each other. Oh, this is good, bad. No. I notice this. Say I'm noticing something. You'll notice something else and share that with me. And we'll both learn together. So that's why it's called the Human Wisdom Project. So Tarun asks a question, which is any tips to improve our inner talk habit? I say, stop trying to improve it, Tarun. Just notice it. Can you notice something? That's why the art of inquiry, how we look at ourselves is so important. Because if you look at it and think I need to improve it, then again, you're caught in that loop of thinking. What we're trying to do is observe without thinking. 
So the importance of questions. So on this journey of learning about ourselves, the questions are really, really important. We never ask them, you know, like, what can I learn from my stress? 80, 90% of us are stressed at some point. What can I learn about myself from the feeling of stress? Such an important, the next question, you know, it could end all war, right? Why do we hate people we've never met? The Hindus hate the Muslims, the Muslims hate the Hindus, the Russians hate the Ukrainians, and the vice versa, the Israelis and Palestinians, and Democrats and Republicans, and it goes on and on around the world. The Hutus and Tutsis, the Shias and the Sunnis. Why do we hate people we've never met? Or what is the root cause of fear? It's so illogical. Fear is meant to protect the human body from physical harm. But look how it's got out of control and 20 to 40% of people suffer from anxiety. Right? And we, know, we all know people who've, who've suffered with that. Or why can't I stop my jealousy even if I want to? So being curious and asking these questions then opens the door to further inquiry. And Jenny's made a really nice point, which is we, we don't, um, ah, okay. We do label trees as good or bad. It's the trees who don't think of themselves as good or bad. They're just be, getting on being a tree. True? Very true. Okay, so let me explain what I mean. Take this example. This is a pyramid. And why does the right question take us deeper? So let me start. So layer one is what's happening in the world. Okay. Layer two is what's happening in my mind, what I can notice, my thoughts, my feelings. So I'll give you an example. Say my friend doesn't call me. That's level layer one. Layer two is I get angry. Okay. Layer three, now I think in layer two, that my friend is responsible for how I'm feeling. But layer three opens the door to unconscious thinking patterns that we're not aware of, like conditioning or comparison. For example, my jealousy comes from deeper in my thinking. It's not caused because you've got a new car. You know, my stress comes from my conditioning because I think all women should do the housework and I'm married to someone who hates housework. And I think, well, it's your fault that I'm stressed or angry. No, no, it's my conditioning that's making me angry. But I can only learn that if I ask the right question, which is why am I jealous? Why am I angry? What's going on? And of course, the deeper layer is who is angry? Who feels jealous? And of course, it's me. Who am I? What is this I that feels jealous, feels angry, wants more and more, feels sad, feels lonely. What is the seat of this I? I'm not going to give you all the answers today, but I'm going to encourage you to ask these questions of yourself because it's those questions that will lead you deeper to drink that glass of water yourself. See, I can tell you, but that's not going to make any difference. It's your journey of learning that will transform your own life. Okay, now, 
and show you something else. I would like you all to look at this flower and notice what's happening in your thinking for the next 10 seconds. Okay, you done that? All right, now, I'd like you to look at it again. What did you notice when you first looked at it? Did you call it a rose or a yellow rose? Did you say it was beautiful or not beautiful? Now, I'd like you to look at this rose again or this picture again, but instead of labeling it as a rose, can you not look at, label it as anything and just notice the play of light and shadow? Just notice and not let a single thought come between you and noticing what's happening here. And let's give ourselves 30 seconds to do that. Okay. What did you notice? Did you notice that your mind went quiet? Minded. I was giving a talk to some students in Newcastle University. This girl who's from Dublin stood up and said, I don't know what happened there, you know, much, but my mind became really quiet. So I want you to practice this. Practice the art of looking without naming. Start with a flower or a tree or a leaf. Then learn to look at yourself in the same way. Notice when we look at the moon, for example, you know, it's only when you stop calling it a moon that you'll start noticing all the little shadows. And if you look through a telescope, you know, all the holes in it and all of that, right? So when you begin to look at a tree or a rose without naming it, your mind becomes quiet. And here's another secret to take away. Wherever the mind pays attention, it becomes quiet. So if you pay attention to your anger, to your fear, to your, whatever's happening in our own thinking, it's in that act of attention that the mind becomes quiet and in that quietness is able to see clearly. So there are so many benefits. Of course, it helps us to see clearly, but it's also where the mysterious work of transformation happens. When I say mysterious, what I mean is it's not like you are doing the work of transformation. You're just doing the work of noticing and learning. The transformation occurs in the background. You don't even notice. So take any problem you might have in your life. The, you, the mind usually works by attacking the problem, trying to solve it. That's one way. And if it's a flat tire, it's different. You can solve it. But say it's loneliness. How do you solve that? Or sadness. So leave the problem alone. Go to a new field. All you're doing there is looking and learning about yourself and about loneliness, whatever it might be. And in that learning, transformation occurs. So since stress, anxiety, and anger are fueled by thinking, 
if you can meet them without thinking, they can dissolve. Imagine if 80% of the world suffers from stress and 40% from anxiety. If they could learn this skill, that anxiety and stress can dissolve instantly. But it's a skill to learn. You can't just expect me to tell you and you'll discover it immediately. You can't stand on the side of the swimming pool and learn how to swim. You have to get in the water and start. Right? But as you learn this skill, you'll find your life changes. Of course, there's so many challenges to this. There are mountains to climb. There's a fear of what we will find. Remember, we're not looking at the content of our memory. We're trying to understand how our mind works. We have to leave the judgment of ourselves as good or bad. We have to be open to learning about ourselves. So if we existing opinions are being challenged, we have to accept. By the way, nobody else is challenging you. You are challenging yourself. There's a fear of change sometimes, letting go of who I am. Let me tell you, all beautiful things happen on the other side of fear. If you can work through your anxiety and fear about looking and learning about yourselves, on the other side of that fear is the possibility of transformation. Taking ownership, as I said, of our thinking and our thoughts is not easy. And of course, you don't learn to swim in a day, right? You see all those people swimming in the pool, beautiful strokes, and you get in the water for the first time. It's so clumsy and hard. And you can easily want to give up. But if you keep going, then there's tremendous beauty on the other side of this. It helps you live in a completely different way. Okay. And of course, you know, the more we understand ourselves, the easier it is to understand others. So um, so I'm just going to take a couple of comments. So Naveen has said, um, if dogs could talk, maybe we'd have as much difficulty getting along with them as we do with people, quite right, too. <laughs> um, you see, the idea of unconditional love, Jenny, is it's a beautiful idea. And we may even think we love that idea, but we'll never achieve real unconditional love until we understand why our mind loves conditionally. <laughs> See? So pursuing the ideal doesn't bring us any closer to it. It's understanding why our mind doesn't do that, that there's real possibility of freedom. Okay, I'm going to pause there and um, take a moment to just show you around the Human Wisdom app, which has got all of this stuff and more. Um, so the section we're looking at is right at the bottom of the app. It's called um, Understand Yourself. So we've been talking about the benefits of inquiry. How do we begin our journey? The three steps to inquiry, insight, we haven't talked too much about awareness, the four la layers of awareness, how to look without judgment, how to ask the right questions because they are the key to what we're gonna learn, how to look without language as a whole module and what are the obstacles to inquiry. So of course the app has got 
a lot more depth and detail in there. Um, and I'd encourage you all to, to have a look. Great, okay. So I'm going to stop talking there and uh, open the door to your comments and questions and start with uh, people we know really well who come we're friends of ours. So Dominic, do you want to get the ball rolling? Do you have a comment or we've been traveling together for some time now? <clears throat> we have, Manish. And um, I think the comment really for me is, um, is this is the foundation of everything. Um, you know, we've talked a lot about um, judgment and not, you know, listening to others without judgment. And I do think it does begin with ourselves. Um, I've got, well, actually, right next to me here is my, you know, a journal, and there is my art of inquiry right there, just constantly looking at myself, observing myself, observing, noticing what's happening in my mind. But I think the biggest thing for me, the biggest learning point for me was to realise that um, nobody does anything inappropriate given their model of the world. So if I'm, you know, speaking personally, if I'm going through a divorce, which I am, and I've been brought up as a, a Catholic, cradle Catholic, which I was, then obviously I'm going to feel guilty going through that. Mm. And if I can accept that, well, of course I'm going to feel guilty because of my upbringing, because of how that happened, that enables me to accept myself. Mm. So I notice, as Manoj says, I notice myself feeling guilty. I can accept, oh, well, of course I'm going to feel guilty given my experience. And then that opens up, well, what question can I ask of myself? What question needs to come up? And that's it. What I would say is, um, as Manu said, we've been traveling a, a while now, and I've been on this journey uh, for a long time. But the journey doesn't end. It's constantly um, fresh. It's constantly looking at, you know, tasting the water and seeing how it, uh, how it tastes. Um, but it is a beautiful journey. Yes really is. So Dominic, can you give me an example? Can you think of an example from your own life where you applied this basic principle, which is to look, accept, ask a question, learn, and that journey of learning brought some transformation. Can you think of an example in your own life? Um, well, again, I probably come up with this all of the time but the um the journey of this this divorce so you know i was i was married 30 years and um obviously that that brings itself a lot of conditioning and, and going through the divorce um has been difficult somebody mentioned about the inner talk and i remember taking the dog out for a walk and i was having an argument with my wife and it was all going backwards and forwards, you know, I'm right, you're right, all of that kind of thing. And it wasn't until 20 minutes into the walk that I realised I was actually on my own. Um, <laughs> it was just me and the dog. And that inner dialogue, I, I had a complete conversation and very judgmental conversation about my wife and what she was saying was wrong. Well, of course, as soon as I noticed that, as soon as I noticed it, well, I laughed, actually, I have to say, but I realised, well, of course I'm going to do that. And the more I notice that in a dialogue and understand, well, of course it's going to come, you know, given the relationship dynamics, 
and how they how they were at the time. Of course, I'm going to feel like that. And I was judging her and judging myself. And But the more I saw it, the less the inner dialogue happened, the more I noticed it. But then what the, the beauty of it for me was, the less judgmental I was of myself, the less judgmental I was of her. Right. And actually, despite the difficult relationship, and it's still a difficult relationship, I'm far less judgmental and far more compassionate towards her and understand, you know what, if, if that's the way she thinks, well, of course she's going to think like that. But that doesn't mean to say I have to, but it also means I can accept myself and I can accept her. And that brings a tremendous amount of peace in a difficult situation and a difficult relationship. Yes. That's something really beautiful that you've said, which is that this deeper understanding of ourselves helps us to understand others. From that understanding comes compassion, and which is love. In, and in your case, it's in the most difficult circumstances where you've got a really difficult relationship. But Dominic, there's one more example from your life as a head teacher when you were really stressed and you thought it was the job that was stressing you out. And you had a realization that brought transformation for you too at that time. Do you share that? Story? <clears throat> yeah, yeah. I, I was um, head teacher of a school for, for 12 years. Um, and, well, it's, it's in the news, certainly in this country at the moment, the Ofsted inspections and, and the stresses they bring. And it was at times an extremely stressful job. And um, as Manu says, the, the key for me, I, I remember sitting outside um, my local church, actually, and I felt as though my head was going to explode. Um, and it was one of those, I was sitting in a car park and, and it was, and I thought, I can't do this anymore, you know. Um, and the thing that changed was realizing that it was actually an inside out understanding, not an outside in. I'd been blaming the job. I'd been blaming everything else out there, Ofsted or whatever, the pressures of that for the way I felt. And I used to say it was like um, it was like there was a huge rock and I had a rope tied around it and I was pulling and pulling and pulling and nothing was moving and it was getting me more and more stressed. And I was thinking, well, something I had that I wish I could change Ofsted or I wish I could change the system. And I was battling against it, playing tug of war, realizing that actually I'm never going to get anywhere. And the, the, the key transformation for me was just drop the rope, stop fighting that and actually realize it comes from me. Mm. My reaction to what's happening out there is coming from me. And it, it's a, it is one of the, the most difficult things, but when and Manu said about this, it is not an intellectual journey because we can intellectually we can say, oh yes, I, of course I understand my feelings come from within me. But actually when you really, really, really see that 100% of your experience comes from within, and I mean, truly see it. It does transform things. It absolutely transforms it. Now, does it mean that I'm, I don't get triggered and I don't get affected and I, I, I'm suddenly I'm going all around all zen and peaceful? Like, absolutely not. But I have a lot more, a lot more of those times. And when I'm feeling stressed or when I'm feeling fear, that's when I notice and I think, all right, I know that something in me is happening and it's in me that I need to look. It's not if that thing out there changes, 
then I'll be okay. I reverse that and look at myself and go, right, what is it that's happened in me? And what do I need to see for it to dissipate? And as Manoj says, it's absolutely true. As soon as you see it, as soon as you see it, awareness is needed. Yeah, absolutely, Johnny. Awareness is needed first. As soon as you're aware, ah, and it starts to, starts to go. So there's one other aspect of this. So I was talking to my son. He's um, in his late 20s. He works as a doctor. And, you know, doctors are going through a tough time. So I was talking to him about this, saying stress comes from the inside out. But he's saying the resistance he felt was that it delegitimized his grievance against his employers. So, you know, when we are stressed and we think my stress has been caused by work and I'm blaming work for how I'm feeling. By accepting my stress comes from inside me means I'm letting somebody off the hook. I have to stop blaming somebody else for how I'm feeling. That's really hard because my mind loves to blame somebody else for how it's feeling. So I said, it's not delegitimizing. You know, if there's a grievance or there's an injustice, you need to do something about it. Of course, you can do something, but you do it with a mind that's really calm, as Dominic said. So you're no longer stressed, your mind is calm, and then you can go ahead and change whatever needs changing, whether, you know, whatever it is in the world. So we're not saying that acceptance of situations means you don't do something about it. Um, Tarun had a question, is it the more we connect or get attached to external things like gadgets, the less we connect with ourselves? There's something in that, I think, Tarun, in the sense that we are, our mind loves being occupied, doesn't it? So the phone, the film, whatever it is. And I think we don't like looking at ourselves, do we? We don't like being quiet. We don't like being still. Um, Jenny, do you want to come in with your comments, please? Jenny's an old friend of ours. Been traveling with us for a long time. I think, I mean, you said so many you know, absolutely spot on things. Um, one thing I I look at is that a thought is just a thought. It's nothing more than a thought. As long as we don't attach something to it by thinking. Hmm. And the more I, I think about it, the more I think that thinking is done too much. It's okay if we're thinking, you know, what am I going to do? How am I going to do this? And give it some thought and think about that. But when a thought comes up, we attach meanings, labels to it. Yes. If you observe a thought rising, like you'd observe the moon, without thinking about it without labeling it with it, just observing it. Yeah. And it doesn't it's have the, the same power. It's the thinking about the thought that does the damage. Yes. So I remember a beautiful session we had with, this with John D. Whitus. We talked about overcoming emotional pain. And because so many human beings have suffered in the past and the memory of that comes up and it causes the pain again. How do you respond? 
Or how do you deal with sorrow or grief or intense you know, emotions? And the same thing as Jenny is saying, if you can observe it, be with it without thinking, labeling, doing something, just watch it. It comes and goes and it loses its power over us. Otherwise, thinking about it just continues to give it more and more oxygen. But again, all of this is learned through the art of inquiry. And what we've tried to do in the app is create a really simple step-by-step, -step, gentle step-by-step -step process of learning uh, about ourselves. Dominic, do you want to add any closing remarks to that? And then we'll just wind up. Um, I think a couple of things, just on Brenda's point there. I think the art of inquiry is um, enhanced by the art of conversation. And I think that's important that we just continue this um, and keep having conversations um, because that's the way we'll, we'll get to the understanding. And then there, another point I was thinking when Naveen was talking there, I think it's important on this journey to remember there is no right and wrong. You know, how you feel is how you feel. And that's absolutely fine. And part of this inquiry is not to judge that for being a right way or a wrong way. Each of us have the experience of life based on uh, the, the conditioning that we've been through. So none of us are doing anything inappropriate given our models of the world. And just by accepting that, that will begin for me, that will begin to, um, to open up that um, exploration. Right. Well, thank you, Dominic, and thank you to all our guests from around the world. We've been talking today about the art of self-inquiry and how each of us can go on this journey of looking and learning about ourselves and how transformational that can be, not only to each of us, but to the world. So until next time, thank you. This podcast came to you from the Human Wisdom Project. To find out more, please visit our website, humanwisdom.me, or download the Human Wisdom app. Thank you so much for listening. Goodbye.